This week on Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? If you're lost, like most Christians, you have weaknesses. In fact, the list of people God used all had shortcomings. Here's a truth you can claim. God delights in using failures. In chapter 11 of Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? The late David Wilkerson tells us to take heart. Whatever your struggle or failure, God can and will use you. Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? is brought to you by World Challenge a ministry that strives to make all mankind live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners with biblical encouragement and thoughtful commentary. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you. Please consider joining our donors who believe in World Challenge's mission. You can do that on our website, worldchallenge.org. Now, chapter 11, God can use you in spite of your weaknesses. Read by Jason Staples. God has determined to accomplish his goals here on earth through men with weaknesses. Isaiah, the great prayer warrior, was a man of like passions, which means he, just like the rest of us, was weak and wounded. David, the man after God's own heart, was a murdering adulterer who had no moral right to any of God's blessings. Peter denied the very Lord God of heaven, cursing the one who loved him most. Abraham, the father of nations, lived a lie, using his wife as a pawn to save his own skin. Jacob was a conniver. Paul was impatient and harsh with converts and associates who could not live up to his ascetic lifestyle. Adam and Eve turned a perfect marriage arrangement into a nightmare. Solomon, the wisest man on earth, did some of the stupidest things ever recorded in history. Samuel murdered King Agag in a rage of anger, in an overzealous show of righteousness. Joseph taunted his lost brothers in almost boyish glee until the games almost backfired on him. Jonah wanted to see an entire city burn to justify his prophecies against it. He despised the mercy of God toward a repentant people. Lot offered his two virgin daughters to a mob of sex-crazed sodomites. The list of men who loved God, men who were greatly used by God, who were almost driven to the ground by their weaknesses, goes on and on. Yet God was always there, saying, I called you. I will be with you. I will take away the evil of your heart. I will accomplish my will regardless. God's treasure is in earthen vessels. One of the most encouraging scriptures in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 4-7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Then Paul goes on to describe those earthen vessels as dying men, troubled on every side, perplexed, persecuted, cast down. Even though never forsaken or in despair, those men used by God were constantly groaning under the burden of their bodies, waiting anxiously to be clothed with new ones. God mocks man's power. He laughs at our egotistical efforts at being good. He never uses the high and mighty, but instead he uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.26-29, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. 
But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, the things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Wow, does that ever describe me? Weak thing, foolish thing, despised thing, a base thing, a thing not very noble, not very smart, not very mighty. What insanity to think God could use such a creature. Yet that is his perfect plan and the greatest mystery on earth. God calls us in our weaknesses, even when he knows we'll do it wrong. He puts his priceless treasure in these earthen vessels of ours because he delights in doing the impossible with nothing. God delights in using failures. God delights in using men and women who think of themselves as unable to do anything right. A woman wrote to me recently saying, I'm the world's number one failure. My marriage is failing. I seem to do everything wrong in raising my children. I'm not very good at anything. I'm not even able to understand the Bible very well. Most of it is over my head. I feel as though I'm not worth anything to anyone. I've not been a very good wife, mother, or Christian. I have to be the world's greatest failure. She is just the kind of person the Lord is looking for. A person who knows that if anything good happens through her, it has to be God. All the hotshot Christians who go about bowling people over with their great abilities never impress God. He looked down on a scheming, base, weakling of a man called Jacob and said, as Isaiah 41, 14-16 says, Fear not, thou worm, Jacob. I will help thee. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth, and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord. Men often use God to achieve fortune, fame, honor, and respect. Talent, personality, and cleverness are all used to advance God's kingdom, but God is not impressed. His strength is perfected in those of weakness. When I say weakness, I do not mean sensuality. God does not use people weak in righteousness. A man's weakness can lead him into adultery, gambling, drinking, and all kinds of indulgences. God is not referring to that kind of weakness. When he calls the base, he is not referring to the wicked. The weakness God speaks about is our human inability to obey his commandments in our own strength. God calls us to a life of holiness and separation. He tells us we can be free from the bondage of sin. His word promises freedom from sin's power as well as forgiveness. God's word comes to us with some impossible challenges. Resist the devil, walk in the spirit, come out from among them, do not commit adultery, love your enemies, enter into rest, leave behind all your fears, put down your lustful desires, let no sin have dominion over you. As he was in this world, so be ye. Overcome self, pride, and envy, sin not. Do you know how to answer that call? Think honestly about how little you can do on your own to fulfill these challenges. Then you will realize how very weak you are. Your heart begins to cry, Lord, how can we do such great holy things? How are these things possible? There is no way at all you can stand up to these commandments and challenges in your own strength and knowledge. The call to holiness is frightening and disturbing. You know what God asks of you. 
but you don't seem to know how to fulfill it. Some think they can do it on their own, so they go into convulsive concentration of all their inner resources. They grit their teeth and muster up all of their human powers. They set out with great energy and resolve, calling upon all they have and taking matters into their own hands. They proceed to obey or die trying. It works for a little while, until God crosses them up. He steps in and foils all men's schemes and self-determined efforts of the flesh. Then failure strikes, just at the moment all seem to be going well. These do-it-yourself Christians end up frustrated, defenseless, and weak. That is when our Lord takes over. He comes in with such a comforting message. Lay down your weapons. Quit trying to be self-sufficient and strong. I am your weapon, your only weapon. I am your strength. Let me do what you can never do. You are not supposed to do it on your own. I must do it, so you will glorify only me. I will give you my righteousness, my holiness, my rest, and my strength. You can't save yourself. You can't help yourself. You can't please me in any way except by receiving the blessings of the cross by faith. Let me be in charge of your growth in holiness. If you have too much going for you, God can't work. Gideon is an example of a called man who had too much going for him. He was called to deliver God's children from slavery. What did he do? He blasted the trumpets and called together a mighty army. Thousands of valiant fighting men rallied under his banner. But God said to Gideon, Your army is too great. You have too many men, too much strength. Send them back. If you win the victory with all this show of strength, you and your people might think you won on your own abilities. You have too much going for you, and I don't want you to steal the glory. Strip down your army. One by one, those men left Gideon's army. He must have stood by thinking, how ridiculous. Win by weakening ourselves? God calls me to do battle, then asks me to disarm? Insanity. This is the craziest thing God has yet asked me to do. There goes my plan to become a legend in my own time. Those fighters must have left the battlefield shuddering with astonishment. Who ever heard of winning a battle by laying aside weapons and manpower? From a human standpoint, it is crazy to have great victories by tiny remnants, walls tumbled without a shot fired, armies put to flight by a motley orchestra of trumpet players. By the power of faith alone, weak men confound the world. The way to holiness is humility. No matter how powerful and honorable a man may be, God cannot use him until he falls in the dust and gives up all his idols. Human pride must be smashed. All our boasting must be silenced. All our thoughts and plans must be abandoned. All human achievement must be recognized for what it is, filthy rags and a stench in God's nostrils. Man must become powerless, defenseless and hopeless in himself. He must come with fear and trembling to the cross and cry out, Be thou Lord of my life. There is also a weakness of the flesh. There are Christians who fail the Lord. They love Him very much. They worry about grieving Him, but in spite of their love and good intentions, they fall into sin. Even ministers commit adultery. Multitudes of Christians fight inner battles with lust. Their passions overrun them, and they become victims to overwhelming desires. 
There are modern Bathshebas and Delilahs, as well as men of God who are enticed and deceived by them. Some of these weak children of the Lord are guilty of the sin of Peter. They have denied the Lord who called them. Others are weighed down by the guilt and condemnation of secret sins. Only God knows the battles that are fought by men and women who are among the most esteemed in the church. Those with the most acute battles often spend much of their time crying out against the sins of others, mostly to divert attention from their own struggle with the flesh. Does God quit on any child of his who is waging a war against some white-hot passion? Does God lift his spirit before the victory is won? Does the Lord stand nearby watching as if to say, You know what I expect of you. You know my laws and my commandments. When you get it right, when you wiggle free from your lust, then I'll set in motion your river of blessings. Until then, you're on your own. Never! Never! Instead, our Lord comes to us in our weakest moment, with sin stains blotched all over our garments, and he whispers, My strength is for you in this your hour of weakness. Don't give up. Don't panic. Don't turn away. Don't shut me out. Is there godly sorrow in you? Do you despise what you did? Do you want victory? Keep moving with me. Keep moving toward me. My arms are still stretched out as a mother hen spreading her wings. Come, I'll protect you from the enemy. People are giving up because they feel so weak before the power of the enemy. They say to themselves, why doesn't God come down and take this ugly thing out of me? We seem to forget God often leads us the long way around. We are seldom permitted to march straight into the promised land. There are lessons on faith to be learned. The wilderness temptations give God a way to show his power to deliver. Only Christians who have come through hurt, fires of temptation, and agony of defeat can really help others who hurt. I saw Israel Narvaez, former Momo gang leader, kneel and receive Christ as Lord. It was not just an emotional, surface experience. He really meant it. But Israel went back to the gang and ended up in prison as an accessory to murder. Did God quit on him? Not for one moment. Today, Israel is a minister of the gospel, having accepted the love and forgiveness of a long-suffering Savior. Have you failed? Is there a sin that so easily besets you? Do you feel like a weakened coward, unable to get the victory over secret sin? With that weakness in you, is there also a consuming hunger for God? Do you yearn for Him, love Him, reach to Him? That hunger and thirst is the key to your victory. That makes you different from all others who have been guilty of failing God. That sets you apart. You must keep that hunger alive. You must keep thirsting after righteousness. Never justify your weakness, never give in to it, and never accept it as part of your life. There is only one thing that works. Faith is your victory. Abraham had weaknesses. He lied, and he almost turned his wife into an adulteress. But Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. God refused to hold his sin against him because he believed. Sure, you have failed, maybe yesterday or today, grievously, shamefully. But do you believe Jesus has the power to ultimately free you from sin's power? Do you believe the cross of Jesus means sin's bondage is broken? 
Do you accept the fact that he has promised to deliver you from the snare of Satan? Let me tell you exactly where I believe the victory is. Let your faith rise. Let your heart accept all the promises of victory in Jesus. Then let your faith tell your heart. I may not be what I want to be yet, but God is at work in me, and he has the power to lose sin's hold on me. I'm going to keep my momentum toward the Lord until I'm free at last. It may be little by little, but the day will come when faith will conquer. I will not always be a slave. I am not the devil's puppet. I am a weak child of God wanting the strength of Jesus. I am not going to be another victim of the devil. I am going to come forth as pure gold tried in the fire. God is for me. I commit it all to him who is able to keep me from falling and present me faultless before the throne of God with exceeding great joy. You've been listening to Chapter 11 of Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? Read by Jason Staples. This podcast is brought to you by World Challenge. World Challenge is incredibly thankful for the support we receive from many people across the country who believe in our mission. We are able to continue creating resources like this podcast because of donations from listeners like you. You can make a donation at worldchallenge.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. On the next episode of Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? God has not forgotten you. Until then, we pray that you find hope and healing in the midst of discouragement.